GM everyone, it's Bobby Hundreds, and you're listening to a new episode of Bomb Talk. It's my weekly live Twitter Spaces talk show, and every week I come up here and invite guests from the Atom Bomb Squad to join me on stage and talk all things NFT, Web3, decentralization, whatever that all means. Uh, we have Ron English, Sophie Sturdivant, and Blue the Great joining me on stage today. They are three artists from the Atom Bomb Squad community. They're contributors and collaborators. And we're going to talk about how art has been completely disrupted, if not upended, by NFTs this year and what the future might look like in terms of establishing new ways for artists to find their audiences, uh, build relationships with their buyers, and circumvent the gatekeepers in the galleries, if not eliminate them altogether. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it helps, especially if you're a young artist jumping off your own career. Let's begin. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, wherever you are, GM. GN, good afternoon. GA, GA for us here in LA. Um, waiting for everyone to fill into the room. We have our co-hosts up here. Uh, we got uh, the Adam Bomb Squad and the hundreds are both up here on stage with me. Welcome, welcome. The eighth episode. This is happening very fast. We're moving very fast. Everyone give a wave. Say hi to everybody else in the room. Get comfortable. Sit back. This is going to be more or less an hour long. I try to keep these interviews just short and punchy. Uh, we're not here to take up your entire day. But what I want to do is enlighten us all, including myself, more to the nuances of this NFT universe that we've been playing in, the sandbox that we've been playing in for the last year or so. Um and in highlighting, showcasing the personalities, the builders, the connectors, the innovators, the thinkers who are building this future that uh, we, we firmly believe is going to be our everything over the next year, 10 years, 100 years. We're setting up what I believe is what the Internet was always intentioned and designed for. I, I feel like we haven't seen the full capabilities of the Internet and we still haven't, but now through the advent of NFTs and Web3 technology, uh, this is what it was always about. It's about the decentralization. It's about artists and created, creators having ownership. Um, you know, and, it, and, and it's really about this community. It's about this culture. It's about the people. And so this show, this podcast that I've been doing once a week right here on Twitter Spaces, it's just a means for everyone to get to know each other. We're just trying to make the space feel warm and connected and feel alive outside of us hiding behind our PFPs and our avatars and being anonymous or pseudonymous, which is partly the beauty and the magic of crypto is that everything is decentralized and everything is anonymous. But that can also lend to some fear and a lot of mystery, which is fun, but at the same time can be unnerving, especially when it comes to talking about the scamming aspect of NFTs or just feeling like you're in the dark. Not a day goes by where I'm not trying to onboard someone new or at least trying to provoke a conversation with someone who's curious about NFTs and Web3 and all of this language 
myself included, I'm equally just as confused, but I try to provoke and instigate and start a dialogue with at least one person a day on the subject. We have to keep conversing about it. We have to keep listening to each other about it. We cannot stay comfortable in our echo chambers with our Ethereum-rich friends who are just buying Ethereum-rich projects. I talked about this on my Twitter today, but we have to remember that most people in this world cannot afford most of the NFTs that are getting hyped up in the NFT space, let alone do they understand it or is anyone willing to even have that dialogue and conversation with them? So we have to be willing to have the conversation. If we want more people in the space, which we do, everyone wins. The more people we have wrapping their minds around the technology and the possibilities and the opportunities that are going to come with Web3. We have to be willing to do that as people, right? That's what the community is all about. And so this is my effort at doing that once a week. It's not uh, the easiest thing in the world to set aside an hour every week. Sometimes it comes sooner than, than later. Um, and to coordinate with very, very busy guests who each have their own schedules and agendas and trying to coordinate and do this. But this is my effort to try to build this space in a way where it feels human, warm, familiar, friendly, and not so dark, secretive, mysterious, and like someone's trying to get one over on you all the time, right? So we are all on the frontier of this new technology. We're all on the frontier of this future. Big risks, big rewards, in my opinion, big relationships can, can, can come out of this. I want to in, invite everyone to listen to this eighth episode of Adam Bomb Squad Presents Bomb Talk. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds. I'm the co-founder of The Hundreds. We're a streetwear brand out of Los Angeles that over the last year has immersed ourselves into Web3 and NFTs. I got completely captivated and obsessed with the topic about a year ago. I was just talking to Trevor McFedries from Friends with Benefits. He's a name that you should be well familiar with if you aren't already and you're interested and intrigued about the space. I was just talking to Trevor a little bit ago. He's setting up a birthday party. So happy birthday, Trevor. But Trevor was the one who onboarded me. And since then, I feel like I've onboarded, well, just in my immediate circle, a lot of friends but also have been able to onboard many in my Twitter sphere, just within my social reach. And that's all thanks to Trevor. So if you came upon NFTs because of me or because of Adam Bomb Squad or because of what the hundreds of NFTs have been doing over the last year, we can point back to Trevor. We all need to respect, be mindful of, and pay tribute to the people who were the ones who aped us into this space. I, I, I really wouldn't be here without him. I'm Bobby Hundred. So we started a project called Atom Bomb Squad. It's out now. It actually dropped in August. It surprises me multiple times a day. How many people from within the hundreds own community, my own followers ask, when are you going to get into NFTs? We did already in August. There's 25,000 of them. And, oh, I miss out on them. I'll wait for your next drop. I hear that constantly which tells me two things. Number one, we are probably not doing a good enough job marketing the existing Adam Bomb Squad NFTs that are out there forever on the secondary market. But really, I think it points to just still a very short lack of education 
in the overall space on how this works. If you're not familiar or accustomed to buying things on the secondary market through eBay or sneakers on StockX, you know, many people think that once a drop sells out of anything, it's gone forever. But people from the streetwear and sneaker space know and have gotten very used to over the last 10 years that the life comes on the secondary market. There's multiple secondary and tertiary and lives that continue on forever with this product that people want, these Veblen goods, right? So NFTs are exemplary of this, but in a way that is remarkable because the creators retain, they get a royalty, a percentage of every sale forever. So it would be almost like if Nike as an artist got a cut of the sales on every StockX re-release of their shoe forever. And artists have been taking full advantage of this in the NFT space. And that's why this entire movement was initiated by artists because, as we'll get into today, if you're familiar with how the art industry works and how artists have moved and been subject to the gallery world and auction houses, they haven't always been had access to these secondary and tertiary sales on the secondary marketplaces. They don't get a cut of that. So they'll make their initial sale, and then that's pretty much it for the artist. The people who make money after that are the people who are collecting and flipping over and over again. NFTs have resolved this. It's one of the really cool things about NFTs is that you build it into the smart contract from the beginning that the creator... In our case, it's the hundreds behind Atom Bomb Squad. But every time one of our Atom Bomb NFT sells, a royalty goes back to the creator. We have over 20 artists in the Atom Bomb Squad who collaborated on bombs. It is something that we're very proud of, is that over the years, we've been able to collaborate and feature so many incredible illustrators, painters, artists, musicians, Abstract artists, pop artists, graffiti artists, street artists, gallery artists, high-end artists, all of them. We've had them all within the hundreds universe. And on this specific project of Adam Bomb Squad, 25,000 NFTs, we have over 20 artists. We have Mr. Cartoon, D-Face, Aaron Kai. We have tattoo artists like Eric Dressen. We got Canadian artist Ben Tor. They're all in. And today's episode is really special. Today's episode of Bomb Talk, is art focused as we're leading up to Art Basel Miami. If you're in the NFT and art world, you're gonna be seeing a lot of chatter about this over the next couple of weeks. There's gonna be a lot of movement because traditionally Art Basel has been really dedicated and focused on what you would consider to be traditional art. This year's gonna be very different. There's gonna be a big NFT focus. It's gonna be like NFT NYC all over again. And so in order to prepare and prep everyone for that, I wanted to dedicate an entire episode of Bomb Talk to how art has intersected with NFTs. And I invited three special guests from the Adam Bomb Squad community. These are artists who've all contributed art and bombs to our community. We have Ron English, we have Blue the Great, we got Sophie Sturdivant all in here. And Ron is also celebrating uh, a significant, significant effort. He just recently dropped his own collection of NFTs like our Adam Bomb Squad. His are called the Light Cult Crypto Club. I believe I'm saying that right. Yes, the Light Cult Crypto Club. They're available now. 
They are, uh, I, I believe they have revealed now, uh, very recently. And so I want to bring, if Ron's not already up on stage, let's bring Ron up on stage. And I just want to pick his brain a little bit about his process around um, Like Whole Crypto Club and how he got to where he is today with it. Ron, are you there? Yep, I'm here. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for doing... Um, the other day you were in our discord you're doing a little bit of a ama type q a thing how'd that go oh that was fun yeah that was great <laughs> thank you so much for doing that so ron i just big congrats and and for those people who don't know the hundreds myself and ron we have a really long storied relationship we we've had uh we've worked together on collaborations and ron has just always been such a great friend i've been to his house out in upstate new york and um we were really happy that you were a part of Adam Bomb Squad and then even happier to see that you were releasing your own collection. So I think I just really quickly for everyone in the room, give everyone a little bit of the backstory of, of how Light Cult Crypto Club came to be. Well, um, I actually got into the NFT space uh, early last year. It was originally presented to me a couple years ago as uh, kind of a way, like I was, I met with one winemaker who was going to attach NFTs to the wine so you could trace where the wine came from and it would, you know, you wouldn't, you would know who had owned it before you. And then it was also presented to me with my toys in China thing as, as a certificate of authenticity so you could trace all the art back to my studio, the paintings and the, the toys etc. And then I, it was two years ago at Art Basel that actually all the conferences that year were about NFTs. And I think everybody knew it was, it was coming and it was coming fast and people are trying to figure out how to position themselves in this new world. So my first release was with Nifty Gateway and that came really fast. They, um, they said, well, um, Jordan Bratman, you know, a friend of mine says, you got to get in, you got to get in like as fast as you can. And uh, so they, they originally offered me a, a like a July drop. And I said, well, do you have anything quicker? And they said, well, we have something like in three weeks, but I mean, there's no way you could have this. You could, you can't pull this kind of thing off in three weeks. But I realized that I had already created three Ds of a lot of, a lot of pieces to make the, the toys and stuff out of and to make animations out of. So, so actually, you know, I took the, the first slot I could get and uh, made this whole collection of stuff. And, and I was off to the races and after that, I did a second drop with Nifty Gateway, and then I did, I, I found, oh, a weird thing. It, this is a, like the most crazy year for NFT things. I found a old song that I had made with Daniel Johnson, um, the guy that produced it. We'd forgotten that we'd made this song, and it was like Daniel Johnson Day, and he says, you know, I had this song, and I thought, wow, you know, we should um, produce something. So we, we made a, an animation of Daniel's character, except grinning with my signature grin, and then we added the song, so we released that. And then, uh, then I hooked up with um, Vivi, who kind of they he he was the last person to come to my studio before the plague, right? So he came in on his private jet, and we were sitting there thinking, "Well, this has got to be the last guy. We got to shut this down. We can't have anybody else here." But yeah, we have a Chinese guy sitting here with the plagues going from China. But anyway, he he um he he what he did is he's he's made license deals with Disney and DC and Marvel and yeah, like all these huge companies. So he became the big licensor uh, and he makes toys and he's his he's got two million followers at this point and they're all like insane. They love it and they have forums about it and talk about it. 
and he has his own coin and stuff. So I did the serial killers with him and we're dropping the third installments um, this Saturday. So that that'll complete the set. So you have all 13 serial killers and you can, and if you're wondering if you've somebody who's collected them and wonder, wondering why they have these kind of strange poses, it's because, um, Hey, they're the last supper. So uh, also like if you have the whole set, you get a, a last supper with them and uh, that'll be this weekend. And, yeah, I mean it's it's just keeps going and going. It's crazy. Ron, I wanted to ask um I I know a lot of artists obviously this is your world. You're surrounded with a lot of artists and it seems to be and maybe this is just my own personal experience. It seems that many of them are very resistant to the NFT conversation and are not just resistant, they almost hate it, <laughs> right? Uh, there's a lot of animosity towards it. And I, what is it about you that when you st- first started delving into the space, it struck you and you wanted to move forward with it? Because I, I, I've just noticed this split, that certain artists are all about it and they're just jumping in and others are like, I'll never do that. I don't trust it. No. This is not what I'm about. Right. Well, you know my art um, and, you know, I also have the band, uh, the rabbits with three Bs. So I have all these characters and I've used the music to kind of help express who the characters are. And the characters look like they're just dying to come up to life and be a part of the world in a different way. So for me, it was like, okay, this is, this is kind of what I've been waiting for my whole life. And now here it is. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, I just jumped right in, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't met. I mean, I, I guess I know a couple artists that have a little bit of animosity, but it's more, to do with like, how can I exist in this space since I'm doing something kind of different? But, uh, but for the most part, I think artists are super excited. And, and also I think being a, getting to stay a part of your art, you know, in the afterlife is, you know, very interesting. Cause if you think about it, you know, here's your life, you know, you, you made a painting in 1985 and you sold it for $600, right. Or $800 or whatever, you know, which is good. You needed the money you needed to keep rolling along. And then everybody's patting you on your back because, hey, you know, I saw that 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 painting of yours uh, sold for like over a million dollars. But I mean, I mean, how I mean, that's kind of cool, but it's kind of like, well, I mean, how happy am I supposed to be? Because, you know, I got eight hundred dollars or six hundred dollars and I had to split it with a gallery. So I really got three hundred dollars. So I don't know how, how excited about this am I supposed to be, you know, and it's also there was this there's this huge argument of um, what why does art get more and more and more? popular and more and more expensive and more famous and is a part is the artist a part of that equation is the reason that the painting got a million dollars because you know i did tons of interviews i did thousands of billboards i showed all over the world and i kept pushing and pushing it into making myself more and more prominent in in the space so if if i had just quit painting that day and then they bought the painting for six or eight hundred dollars you know, the, the, it would have no value now i mean i i was a i was a participant in creating the value for that art with my career. So with the NFTs, now I actually get to participate in, in the ongoing, you know, creative process. So, and the ongoing sales. Yeah. Well, that's right? what I Which mean, is, because I'm, 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 yeah. I'm giving it, it, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum, you know, and I don't know, maybe a, maybe a, uh, a Picasso painting isn't really that much better than a Brock painting, but, you know, because he did so much and he put himself out there in such a big way, he has more cultural cachet than, than Brock did, even though maybe at one point they were making the exact same paintings. So, you know, painting doesn't exist in a vacuum and art doesn't exist in a vacuum and it has to be culturally relevant. And the more artists, you know, interfaces of the world and does stuff, 
you know, the more important their art gets. So you're, you're, you're still part of that. You're never not, you know, until you die, you're, you're, you're involved, you know? Yeah. There's almost something very spiritual and transcended about the blockchain and uh, NFTs. And, and I agree with you. I think many artists are searching for this eternal legacy when it comes to their work. They don't want to believe, you know, when it's stuck on canvas, you know, that's subject to the elements, you know, it might disappear and fade after time. Yeah. Um, And and it's about the image and it's about the sustaining the image. And sometimes they'll, you know, you know, by the time that you've seen this painting, that's, you know, thousands of years old, you know, it's already been repainted so much that there's nothing left of the original painting, but the original concept's still there and they keep the original concept there by, you know, having uh, restorers come in and keep redoing it, redoing it, keep it alive. So, so this kind of solves, you know, that, that problem. And also there's like another kind of issue of, you know, you deal with a lot of people and I don't know, you've been in business a long time. You could probably tell a lot of horror stories, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, track people down for certain things or, you know, to, they did to get paid or whatever, or figuring out where you don't know where they went or they dropped off the radar. But say, like this this summer, I had like I did these amazing pieces with Slash, right? And we wrote music together. So, fuck, I wrote music with Slash. I mean, I never saw that coming. You know what I mean? And and we went to places where he has never went before. So we did the kind of stuff that he never expected to do. And you know, we created art to go with it. And uh, and but then I don't have to go, you know, find him when he's on the road. We have a smart contract. Um, every time it flips, you know, I I get my percent he gets his percent we don't have to i don't have to talk to his manager anymore it's that's just a lock and that's a lock forever so now i can do lots of projects collaborate with other people and then i don't have to go chasing them down their manager down or it's it's we're locked into it do you know what i mean and that's that's amazing i mean to me the i mean the nft thing is a miracle but you know the block the the smart contract is also amazing too you know what i mean yeah, it is. It is actually pretty, pretty and, amazing, and, and, transformative, and, revolutionary. Eight, uh, but I think it was about eight years ago. We've you know, I've always done these music projects, but I formed the band, The Rabbits. Maybe it was like five years ago or something. And uh, as I sometimes do, I kind of get a little overly cocky, and then I have to kind of like figure out how to back it up and do what I said I was going to do. But um, you know, it's like I was kind of like a lot of my friends. You know, have been musicians. I went to North Texas State University, so I kind of started my career with with a bunch of musicians and and having music projects and stuff. And the last you know ten or twelve years, you know, nobody's been able to make money off music anymore. And people that were you know like doing great now they they're just kind of stuck in the mud. And I was kind of thinking, and then I, well, I went on this documentary, and it was about how the music world kind of like cut out the musicians as part of the deal. And so, like, I was like, you know what, they're going it, to, it, it's, it's, I'll figure it out. Somebody's going to figure it out because, you know what, you ever drink bottled water? You know, well, yeah, I got a case of bottled water. It's like, well, you live in a four foot, four floor walk up and, you know, water comes free out of your tap. As a matter of fact, you've already, you know, you've already paid for it. You paid to have it cleaned. It's just as good as the water in the bottle. But yeah, you go to a store and you pay money and then you lug it upstairs. Now, somebody's convinced you to buy bottled water when it comes free out of your tap. So if they can convince you to buy something that comes free out of your tap, I think somebody in the music industry is going to figure out how to get, you know, get paid for music. <laughs> so, but this is <laughs> most recently point. happened is, uh, well, t- well, two things happened. One's kind of outside the NFT, I think a little bit, but uh, Tower Records is returning and they we signed a deal with them to release a box set of like, I think we have 10 albums now. So like, so that'll, now we have an actual product that people, people want the album. They can get Spotify didn't really, you know, you do a million downloads and you get like $12 or something, <laughs> but, uh, 
but uh and but um but now we're creating nfts so we signed a deal with vivi so you'll you'll, you you'll get this um I, i'm designing these uh jukeboxes so you buy the jukebox and you cannot you know the music is not going to work unless you buy the jukebox and then you, you we make these little 45s and every like 20th 45 is 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 platinum and one's gold so they, there's kind of chases so if you get one it's going to be worth more money and if you collect all the all the singles from the album then you get this weird little music box that's kind of like a little merry-go-round that that plays one of the songs and has the little characters like moving and spinning on it so i mean like the nft solve the 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 problem of the music industry you know there you go ron you're an nft enterprise so you have light cult crypto club which is a collection of a bunch of these Ron English NFTs, and they're light bulbs. Why light bulbs? Well, um, I needed a, a very basic image to build off of, and so uh, I thought, well, okay, what's what? What does a light bulb mean? It's the universal symbol for an idea. And the reason I was intrigued of doing the the PFP thing is, well, one, because I can get get art into a lot of hands, ten thousand, but also. Um, you know, I have to come up with a lot of ideas and that's kind of my, my thing. I love like coming up with ideas. So with this project, what, what I did is I, a thousand of them were kind of unique. Like I just came up with an idea, an idea, idea. And then maybe like with the Warhol one, maybe I made 10 of it with different colors, but, but they were all like handmade with, without the use of, you know. Yeah. They're, they're not yeah. generative, right? Right. Well, no, they're uh, not like no, these, it, like these Mr. Potato Head style projects where you're just slapping on right. different. Well, no, features. no, a, a thousand are handmade. And then, then 9,000, I built the puzzles to make nine. So you make, you, it's kind of like building puzzles. And then, then the, the, the more parts you make and the more little things you make, the, the, the more it can generate. So I think we made, I made enough that, you could uh maybe make I think a four million, but we just made like nine thousand. But I was it's just intrigued unique... at the idea of making a lot because I've always been kind of a I've always had a weird obsession with like a lot. Like when I did billboards, I just I wanted to do a thousand billboards, and then I wanted to do two thousand billboards, and I just like the idea because it seems there's something really real about it. it's like well you do a couple billboards I guess you know that's kind of interesting, but what if you did a thousand? I mean that means you're committed to doing billboards, you know. Oh, and by the way, they were like a second degree felony, so I was really risking a lot doing that many. But uh, yeah, it's something. Yeah, well, it's, it's just a kind of dedication, and also like it's a weird thing because, yeah, maybe I can come up with a hundred good ideas with the light bulb. Could I come up with a thousand? You see how it becomes kind of a challenge, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, being stuck with one canvas, just a one of one, is a challenge in itself. But to open yourself up to doing thousands of these, I mean, if you look at these tweets that we're posting above. If you're listening here on Twitter, um, you can see just how diverse the artwork is within the collection. It really looks unlike any other PFP project. Even our project, Adam Bomb Squad, we have these 25,000 different bombs, and they're all kind of unique. And many of them are one of one of ones, you know, individually drawn, hand painted. Mm -hmm. uh, but yours, they even go with that with, you know, they even change the shape of the overall bulb you know some of them look like a, it's like a bird and one looks like a gas mask but they all somewhat resemble a light bulb i i just haven't seen any other projects or many projects that look like this i mean i feel like this must have been super complicated to work on have you been working on this for months if not like a year no we started in september how how ron i don't well, understand you, the, I, I would, the math on that i dream about 
light bulbs and I wake up at four in the morning and start making light bulbs and go, go to bed at 11 at night, you know, and make one more light bulb for the road. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, Cause these, every night I went, is, uh, every yeah. night I went to sleep thinking, okay, I'm spent. I, I, I got no more light bulb ideas. That's it. I don't think I'm going to make the thousand mark, but the next day I wake up with like a whole bunch of new ideas. So. And I'm sure ever since it's dropped, you've been thinking of even more. It's like your brain hasn't stopped. Oh, like, oh miraculously, the, the, the once they, they cut me off and they say, <laughs> we're done, don't come up with any more. You know, maybe for one more day I came up with them, but I finally got my brain to switch to thinking about something else. Only speaking from within our community of Adam Bomb Squad on our Discord, I know the people who've been picking them up have been really loving them. Uh, they just really, they look different. They add a little bit of depth to your wallet, uh, but definitely go check those out i wanted to bring our next guests up on stage to join ron and i one is blue the great we mm -hmm. also have sophie sturdivant mm -hmm. blue and sophie are also a part of anna bomb squad as artist collaborators they mm -hmm. each have their own lanes and careers and when i was first delving into nfts at the start of the year that season of nfts was really centered around the artists right mm -hmm. and so we were uh, these these men and women were were taking the spotlight, and uh, the summer changed a little bit of the tone and the climate around NFTs. It started becoming more about these PFP projects. Mm -hmm. A lot of them weren't really artist driven, even though they were art driven. And now I feel like we're getting back to a place again where the focus is returning to the art. There is an emphasis on artists and their stories, and so I'm just really grateful to have all three of you up on stage with us. Um, Sophie, I'll, I'll begin with you. I know that you've seen a lot of challenges within the art world and the art industry and how to elevate as an artist and a professional artist in this space. And you've seen the, through the advent of this technology, all kinds of new opportunities and freedoms open up for you. I, I guess just for the artists that are listening in, in the room that might be frustrated with a lot of those traditional challenges how have NFTs helped you to gain exposure to meet other artists and to just to grow in your career? Thanks, Bobby. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Sophie. I made the Sophie Adam, the Sophie bomb. Um, yeah, gosh, this is such a good question. I think, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a group of friends actually at NFT NYC a couple weeks ago. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, you know what NFTs have done is broken me out of like my perfectionism kind of. I have been a traditional artist for about 10 years. I've been so much of a like a perfectionist really in terms of like, oh, if I don't love a piece, I'm going to I'm going to scratch it and start from the beginning and okay, once I once I, you know, post something on Instagram, oh, if I don't like it, I'll just delete it, I'll archive it. Nobody will ever know that I made it. You know, nobody will ever know that it was a Sophie Sturdivant um piece. And it's funny because I think with the blockchain, it's like it it once it's on the blockchain, it's on there forever, right? And so I think for me, I've really, really had to break out of like so many of my limiting belief systems just regarding perfectionism and like the ability to sort of almost like hide the growth that I've had as an artist because I think for me it's it's like as a perfectionist or as somebody who does sort of bear some of those tendencies. I want everybody to see me as like a, um, oh, Sophie's, you know, Sophie's made it. Sophie has essentially acquired this many skills or has built herself up to be this. But on the blockchain, like your growth is 
uh, it's visible and it's transparent. And I think for me, my greatest growth this year has really been like the understanding that, oh my gosh, people are going to see my work from, you know, 2020 and 2021. And it's not going to look the same next year. I have been sharing work this week that I never would have imagined making three months ago. And the, and the work that I shared three months ago, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was me three months ago. I've, I've, I've just been growing so much. And, um, and I think that NFTs have forced me to really, I think almost like, I mean, Bobby, you were talking about sort of this transcendent spiritual experience, like break out of my, break out of myself a little bit. And, and sort of shatter my own glass ceilings, I think, that I have uh, sort of born for myself uh, and have come to understand, like, oh my gosh, we are so early that I actually get to be the blueprint and I actually get to pave the way for so many emerging creators and especially women. I'm talking all the time about women artists because of sort of the disparity that we see in the traditional art worlds that has uh, you know, made its way sort of into NFTs and everything, which is something I'm very passionate about. But it is interesting because I, I do believe that for artists that are coming up and, and are emerging, um, NFTs are a really beautiful way to really express your growth and to be proud of that. I think at the beginning of this year, I was thinking, okay, how do I show up perfectly? And, you know, oh my gosh, what if I can't delete anything? And and at this point, I'm just like, okay, you guys are going to get everything that I have, everything that I make. Um, not necessarily minted, but just in regards to sharing and speaking about my work, because I think that the growth um, that I've seen in myself is something that I've learned to be really proud of and have learned to share about more transparently. Um, and now that everything is on the blockchain, it's like, okay, that was me. And that was me in 2020. And my, and my style was different. And who I was as a woman and an artist was different then. And man, I'm so proud of who I've become and who I am becoming. And um, yeah, Bobby, I think it's funny. It's been a very spiritual experience for me because I think you have to remove yourself uh, from yourself a little bit and really like die to the ego daily um, in order to, to find that growth and to shatter those glass ceilings that I think uh, being an artist, it requires, um, especially on the blockchain. I didn't even think about how harrowing that must be as an artist. It's one thing to have your, all of your work, your entire career and repertoire exposed and open online for people to pick apart, but then they can also see the market activity against it. Yeah. Yes. It's so vulnerable. And it really, I mean, you said it, it's the perfect word is exposing. It's like, oh my gosh, somebody for the rest of forever can see what I sold that first piece for. And uh, yeah, I really, I really do. Uh, this is an encouragement for me and even like my historical self and also anybody listening here, any artist or creator um, that's sort of struggling with the same things. Like just let yourself be free and let yourself mint and let yourself explore. Nobody knows what we're doing. I don't have a clue what I'm doing and I pretend that I do all the time, but I don't, I don't have any idea. And I think it really is just uh, bearing that responsibility and taking on that responsibility and stewarding it well to say, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I, I know that nobody does. So I'm going to pay the pave the way in the best way that I know how with, uh, you know, integrity and with honor and true to myself. I have really, I think, found um, even value to in, in diving into like authenticity and making work that is most true to me, even if it's not necessarily well received on Twitter or whatever. I've shared things on Twitter where I'm like, OK, 
this is going to pop. And then it doesn't, you know, and I'm just like, oh, but it was so true to who I was. And, and I think I've found like so much safety and security and, and I think peace in that, um, especially this year and blockchain forced me to do that because I couldn't sort of cover up my growth anymore. Ben and I talk about this all the time with the hundreds and that we were really lucky uh, in the first part of our career that we didn't have access or visibility on metrics. We weren't kind of social gamifying how popular we were, or even we had no real comparison on how much money we were making compared to anybody else. And so I just know how crippling that must be for younger creators and people coming up today, especially on the blockchain we experienced it firsthand with Anna Bomb Squad. And I remember the first month of it, it was really, really unnerving for me to be just so exposed and out there, like just an entire Discord picking apart the art, talking about prices, talking about the marketplace. And then I was reminded that our success as a brand and our career over the last two decades was not predicated on us listening or hinging our validation on what anyone was saying, let alone the marketplace, even the community, because at the end of the day, we believed and we still believe that the work was always more important than what our reputation might be or what our ego might say. We just so we were so intent and so believing in the work and continue to be so that it over time, everything else just kind of faded into the background and the marketplace eventually sustained and built us up to where we are today. And so if there's any advice I can give to artists in the room that are building long brands and in this for the long game, and Ron English can speak to this even more than I could ever, it's just being true to the work, enjoying what you're doing, and you know, being mindful of what your community and audience and marketplace is saying, but also remembering at the end of the day, it's they are coming to you because they believe in your work and you believe in the work, so putting the work first. I wanted to uh, talk to Blue the Great, who's up here as well. What's up, Blue? Yo, how's it going? How are you? I'm chilling. How are you? I'm good. Blue is a self-taught artist out here, based here in LA right now. And he's done a lot of work with some of your favorite artists. He had a a very popular Jordan right before the pandemic. um, And still one of my favorite Jordans of all time. You just recently collaborated with Michael B. Jordan on a collection with Coach. And I know you've been in and out and dabbling in NFTs for the last year as well. Actually, very beginning of this year, when I would have these Zoom sessions and we did have these conversations, Blue was always very active in that. So um, I just, you being a traditional artist and coming up on your own, kind of building your own career, doing it yourself, um, now looking at the NFT space, you know, what kind of opportunities are you seeing out there for yourself as an artist? And what do you think uh, it can do to change a lot of the problems that have historically been associated with art? Um, I think it's amazing, actually. Like, um, just to be able to have that that freedom, and you know, uh, traditionally, like looking at like how music works, that's something they were always afforded, and you know, you sell a piece for whatever. Just like Ron was saying earlier, like it could go for whatever, it could get flipped down the line, uh, but but you're not going to see any of that. So, I think it's amazing to be able to get a royalty off your work. And even look at it like as someone who's kind of like I built my career mostly off of Instagram, like you now have a platform where you have all these people on here looking to actually like spend money and collect things as opposed to just scrolling to pictures, putting out likes. But I think it really puts um, 
the control in the artist's hand, you know, like to be making, you make a, a project that has, you know, even 200 pieces to know you have 200 pieces in the world that are continually getting traded and you're getting a percent off is, I mean, it's, it's golden, you know, to, to someone who actually makes art every day and you just throwing it on the ground, you know, hoping, hope maybe you drop a print, you know, the way, the way I move, but um, I think it's amazing. And even being I'm able to like, the ETH, like I was kind of, you know, I was buying crypto um, for, you know, for a little while now. And just to know that, like, instead of having to, like, take your hard earned money <laughs> and uh, buy whatever ETH costs at the time, you could also just make art. And, you know, you're in the game. You have something sitting there that's potentially uh, gaining, just gaining as, as time goes. So it's uh, actually it's incredible. Like, it's wild. It's a wild concept. This is a question for you and for uh, Ron and Sophie. Uh, how much time and energy are you allocating to NFTs versus your uh, traditional, I guess, I don't even know what to call it these days, your your, your physical world, your in real life, uh, normal, quote unquote, normal art, um, non-NFT art, let's just say. Uh, how much time are you splitting between the two? And are you seeing more and more of your resources and attention being dedicated to to the metaverse side of your art? Um, personally, uh, I think um, I like to jump around a lot. So if it's mural season, you know, and I get in the mood, I like to I like to be in that zone. But I'm constantly like at this point, if I'm not painting, I'm usually doing everything off of the iPad. So um, I don't know. I would say uh, a decent amount is definitely going into think about thinking about like incentivizing what I drop and how I drop, like, you know, it's now like a new way to play. And I haven't dropped anything outside of uh, Adam Bomb Squad. So like right now I'm in like strategy mode, like, you know, like how can I do this? And uh, like, what makes the most sense? Um, I'll hop in there too. I have somewhat of a similar sentiment um, to Blue in terms of, I mean, the majority of my time I am all in, on art, whether that's digital or traditional, um, my my intention at with every piece that I make is either for growth or for um, fun or a collaboration or something. Um, and I and going into something I don't necessarily know if that's a piece I want to mint. Sort of they you know kind of happen as I create them. But um, I got into I started creating digitally because of NFTs. So that was like a huge driver to my transitioning from traditional to digital work, which I'm so thankful for. This year has been I mean, completely insane. I can't even describe it. But um, if I if I go, you know, like blue, if I go to the iPad or something, I'm I'm about to make work that that doesn't necessarily mean if I'm going to mint it. Um, I think that's something that comes about sort of toward the end of of that work or the finalization of it. Um, I have a collection in mind, which will be NFT specific, and I'm super excited about it, but it will also be, uh, each will come with a physical traditional um, version of that piece, uh, just because I want to incentivize like the traditional collectors in my life to sort of get into NFTs or be rewarded um, early on and vice versa, the people that are in NFTs. I want to bring them into this world of mine that is traditional and is physical, um, because I really do believe that as the value of, of my, you know, as an artist, as the value of my NFTs 
um, increases over time and as my career grows, I believe that my physical work will also uh, increase in value, of course. Um, so I think I don't necessarily approach anything with like, a, okay, this is going to be mintable. This is I'm making this for the blockchain. I just go to it like I'm going to make art. And if it's something that I feel like I want to mint or I want to share in that way, maybe I'm just posting it on Instagram or sending it to uh, you know my newsletter list or something. I think it, you know, it, it's sort of... Um, it's kind of a flow. I don't necessarily go into it one way or another other than this collection that I'm planning on, but otherwise I'm just making art to make art. Are you finding that you have different uh, patrons between the two or is it the same patron and sometimes they just want it as an NFT, sometimes they want a physical piece? Yeah, good question. I have had collectors of my NFTs um, if the if the piece exists in the physical space as a as an original, for example, they have also purchased the physical original, which has been incredible. Um, I have a couple collectors that have done that, so they own both the NFT and the physical original. Um, a lot of times, I incentivize my collectors if it's if they're just purchasing the NFT with a print, um, just as a thank you or something to say, hey, th- this can also exist, you know, on your wall if you don't want it on a mural or something. Um, and I hope that answers your question. I think it yeah. does. Ron, okay. what about yeah. you? Are you, <laughs> Ron, are you uh, seeing more of your work moving towards the metaverse or are you staying within where you've been traditionally? Well, I've always done a lot of different things. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to do this for so long. So maybe one month I'll be working on an album and the next month I'll be painting murals. So I've always kind of skipped from thing to thing. So this has just kind of become another thing that I jump into. And then, you know, as soon as we were done with the NFTs, I went back and uh, started painting again. But yeah, I I also agree that, yeah, like um, one of the new pieces I'm working on for Vivi, there's 100 uh, chrome rabbits and 100 uh, gold rabbits. So, and it's taken us like two years to create these pieces but yeah so that now you actually get a physical piece with it and with the um with the pfp thing i worked with a one x run or one times run as i guess how they they call themselves um but they're 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 printers so uh they they do fine art prints so we we made our contract say that if it any you know like once a month we we offer a new print and if you bought a PFP from us and you decide I want out, I got it. I got a common or I'm just not happy with it or it ain't doing it for me. You can um, burn it and get a actual print. So kind of in a way it's for a, a way for us to kind of hold hands with people who are due, you know, to this, this new medium, you know, and maybe they, they feel like uncomfortable and maybe they made a mistake and, but we were giving them kind of an out for now. I'm scrubbing through our listener base right now. And I know there are a lot of artists in the room and uh, artists traditionally haven't had the easiest time always marketing themselves. Some are naturally wired for it, but a lot of them just want to make their art. And when they're approaching NFTs and Web3, I see a lot of them saying, how do I get my artwork seen? How do I get seen? How do I gain exposure in the space and let people know that I exist as an artist out in this world? You've all somehow been able to do it in your own careers, whether it was in the NFT space or not. Uh, What advice do you have for those artists to get their work seen, to get their name out there and to elevate their visibility? Um, I'll start this one. I always say, and I tell everybody I talk to, I tell everybody that asks me this, um, people care 
about the artist as much as they care about the art. I think when people can find um, an artist relevant or relatable or exciting or cool or whatever, like there's something about that artist that is aspirational or I don't know, just, um, I don't know. I, I guess I'll say like relatable. I think people really can attach themselves to that person and their work. And so the first thing I always say is like, talk about yourself. Like you, again, like you have got to die to your ego and you've got to lay down any pride that you have, like share your story, talk about it. Um, I think it's so important, you know, whether it's a piece in particular and you, and you need to start sharing about that narrative or talking about what inspired you or why you chose those characters or those, or those colors or something like, don't be afraid to talk about it and don't be afraid to talk about yourself. I know as an artist, it could be so uncut, even like right now, I'm so nervous, but it's like, I'm, I'm also so thankful for the opportunity to share because I know that it matters. I know that art really, really matters as we are the people that actually get to shape and define those stories that actually influence like how we perceive history. And that's a, that's a huge responsibility. Um, and so I always tell artists like, you got to get over yourself. You have got to lay down your pride, share your story, talk about yourself, talk about your work um, and, and do it until people care. I know a lot of times it can feel like you're just screaming into the void. Like my art matters so much to me. It's, you know, so heavy on my heart, whatever. And, and for a long time that can feel like you're talking to yourself, but keep doing it, keep going, don't stop. Um, and don't talking about yourself, even though it's uncomfortable, uh, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Blue, what about you? Um, as far as getting your art out there, your name out there, um, for me, I've always, uh, I've used the internet, man. I, I remember right when, when, uh, Instagram started, started going up, I was, uh, I was posting everything on there. Like you can go, you can get on my Instagram right now and see some pretty whack drawings from, from back in the day. But, um, I was always putting them out there uh, continuously and looking for new ways to put out art. And I think with, uh, everything going this way it's it's kind of it's it's amazing because i mean that there's vr art like i got the king spray game and i'm doing like murals in vr before i do them in real life you know so it's it's just about like i feel like it's just about showcasing your artists in in many ways as you see fit like whether that be sculpting or painting or whatever you know music you know whatever um, clothing, you know, collaborating with with artists and brands who you think are super tight. So, um, yeah, I think I think you, uh, Sophie kind of hit it right on the head. You just gotta like go big and like keep showing people. And and also, I think you have to keep learning though. Also, like uh, one of my favorite things is to to do is to learn, and um, you can always you can always get better. So just go hard. You feel me? <laughs> we feel you. <laughs> what about you, Ron? How have you learned to best promote yourself as an artist and your art? Well, um, you know, I'm I'm from the Midwest, and and you're not you're never supposed to brag, and you're you're never supposed to say the word I, and so it's I think yeah, sometimes self promotion has been kind of a difficult thing for me, and I'm also not sure how much I really want people to know about me. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a really weird thing when people know your whole life story and you don't even know their name. You know, they just walk up to you. So, I mean, that's something I've never, I've always had a bit of a problem with, you know, and how much, how much, how much of my life story do I tell? How much if, do I don't? I, I don't know. That's a weird thing. But I think younger artists are a lot more open now and they, they're, they're not afraid to tell everything about themselves. But, uh, 
I don't know. I guess I'm from a different generation. <laughs> I hear you still on much of that. I wanted it. And also, I invited Stephen from Brain Vomit up on stage. Now, Brain Vomit is this really frothy and exciting, super um, popular NFT project that very recently dropped has had explosive success. We're so lucky to have him here with us. And I I feel completely stupid and ignorant. I was not familiar with Steven's art before I was exposed to Brain Vomit and just in learning more and more about his collection, about who he is as a person, as an artist, I've become a fan. And so I, number one, I know he has one of Sophie's bombs. So he's in the Adam Bomb Squad. He's in the right place. Uh, But secondarily, I, I think, He's a Steven, you're a great example of um, an artist who's actually used a PFP style project, an NFT collectibles project to gain exposure for yourself as an artist. What, what, what do you think? Well, first, I want to say I own three bombs. I, I just hey! picked up the Sophie and a grossed out Adam in the same night. And then I minted out uh, another one with the um, bandana background, the paisley background. Um, but pretty much I didn't really like intend on making something that was like so profile photo esque, I guess, because everything character wise seems like very harsh outlines and like the template is very like cut in stone. Um, I didn't really think it would adapt to so many people's profile pictures. Nor did I expect to really get so much exposure through it. But essentially what I wanted to do was tokenize um, my merch in a, in a mass way. And I figured a generative project would be a good way to have like a set platform of, you know, hopefully a thousand plus people. And that would be a way to kind of kickstart the brand. And... Um... How I, I actually, Stephen, I wanted to ask you just about your art career in general. How long have you been working at this? And at what point in your career did you see that this was a lane that you could capitalize on? Um, so I've been doing art, honestly, since I was four years old. My dad was into building cars, and one of his buddies essentially used oil pastel to design the, his one of his hot rods, which was like a hot pink flamed 1962 Nova. And after that, I was so amazed. He gave me gave me all of his books that he had. And uh, I was, you know, trying to draw muscle cars and stuff from a very young age. And and then from middle school, I started drawing, honestly, the atom bomb and the famous F logo and what? just different yeah different various uh skate logos like spitfire and crooked eyes all that stuff over the weekend steven drew life you drew um a, a flower combo with the atom bomb and i was like oh ex- you just cut oh, out am i back can you hear me can everyone hear me yes okay you there? Yeah. Uh, yep. maybe is steven there do we have steven did we lose you I, I hear you now. Okay. I was just saying that over the weekend, you drew this atom bomb mashup with one of your flowers. And I was just like, 
I don't know. It just made my entire week. Um, but it's up there on our Twitters. Uh, I don't even know what to do with it. I, I think we kind of have an idea what we're going to do with it, right, Stephen? That's I'm I'm hoping. Yes. <laughs> what the... <laughs> I, I I have I have a I I actually redid it a little bit too. So uh, okay, when we talk again, we'll talk about that tomorrow. I'll, I'll be showing you the new yeah, version. Yeah, I think we have a meeting tomorrow. Uh, so there's some yes, we there's do. some alpha in there for the Adam Bond squad and for Brain Vomit crew, um, but um, no, I, I was trying to get Jimmy up here also from Ethereals. He's a, also another amazing artist and illustrator who um, I discovered his art through these projects, and and so I, I guess that's just kind of a that's another amazing part about NFTs is that we are finding and discovering more and more artists. I feel like I have exposure to more artists today uh, because of this NFT space than I did prior, you know, whether it was through magazines, blogs, Instagram, whatever. Um, I'm learning and having such a deeper appreciation for artists because of it. Jimmy, are you up here on stage with us? I am up here on stage. Thanks for bringing me up. I'm, I'm honored to, to be on here with all these talented artists. It's pretty awesome to have you too. Uh, Jimmy's the artist behind Ethereals, which is one of my favorite projects. I was just tweeting about him today. And I guess for, uh, you know, for you, what has it been like as an artist and what has this exposure been able to do for you and for your career? Well, that I mean, before NFTs, I got into them about March. Before that, I was full-time artist selling my physicals through my Shopify and you know $200 was the average sale price which you know if I could do about 10 of those you know 15 I'd be in a good spot but when I found out about NFTs I just dropped everything I was doing closed down shop and just started learning as much as I could and it took me three months to make my first sale but it it's just opened up, you know, a place where people understand like this is the, not the main goal is to support the artist because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of profits to be made. So there's going to be your random, random projects, but a lot of people have the same goal in mind. And if, you know, most artists probably selling either like at a local like farmer's market or on Instagram, like that's mainly what I was doing. It, it's hard to gain that audience where everyone has that same kind of, you know, state of mind where it's like art, art, art. Everyone wants to support artists. They know it's going to make their day. Everyone on Instagram and when you're just trying to sell your physical traditional art, it's just kind of a, it's a, it's hard for people to grasp. Let's just put it at that. And then now it's even more harder when you're selling digital assets. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Stephen. Uh, Jimmy, do we got you up here on stage as well? Yeah, I'm here. Can you can you hear me? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I yeah. don't know if I I might have cut out or something, but um, I guess I was just. What what's your experience been with all of this? Um, it's such a great great question, and I come at it um, from a similar place, like. Uh, I think of Ron, like I'm an oil painter and that that's like, I'm a traditional artist. And so coming into this space, um, I had to tap into a whole side of my artistic skill set that I wasn't used to using. Like I did design for like 10 years, but 
that wasn't really a, a skill set I used in my art um, in terms of when I was creating the oil painting. Like, it shows up, but it's it's kind of like a secondary thing. So to come into the NFT space and come out of that vacuum, like Ron had mentioned, to come out of that vacuum where I'm just not in the studio uh, by myself, but I'm collectively working with a group of people, um, it was a whole different thing. And, and it was, it's been really fun to be part of a team. Um, I think one of the things that's, that's been interesting for me too is like, so with Ethereals, I got asked to be part of that team and come on as the artist. And that's been versus versus like um, <clears throat> just doing my own artwork. Uh, so to come on to a team and be like, hey, this is the thing we're doing. Um, do you want to be part of it? And how can you how can we grow this thing together and, and make it succeed? And so it's been really interesting to apply my artwork from that perspective versus a singular perspective of trying to push my own stuff forward. Um, and the team, the, the team aspect is something that really intrigues me. And it's something I see, you know, with you in the bomb squad, it's, it's something that's developing and growing too. So it's, it's really interesting to follow along and, and see how you guys are doing it. So much great synergy up on stage. We have many talented artists before I continue and start wrapping this up with our special guest who always closes out our shows now shiny with the sage piece of wisdom. I wanted to m mention, we have a PO app. Uh, I always forget. And I, and I leave this till the very end of the show. I'm sorry. If you don't know already, we have a PO app, Sandy, if you uh, can unmute yourself really fast and just tell everyone about it, <laughs> Sandy, who's a captain yeah. of the bomb squad. Hey everyone, hope everyone has been having a great time this week's um, bomb talk. If you guys want to tune in to some of the pin tweets that are on here, there's one that specifically talks about a pull app. We do one for every episode. It's a free NFT that lives on the XDI network. Um, so if you go fill out that form, you'll get your free NFT by the end of the week. Uh, but you do need a code, which is BULB, B-U-L-B, in honor of, or in celebration of the light bulb uh, reveal party this weekend. Um, so yeah, hit and fill in that form. The code is bold and you'll get your free interview by the end of the week. All right, guys. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, you've been listening to bomb talk. Uh, do this every week. I'm Bobby hundreds. We have Adam bomb squad presents bomb, bomb talk, bomb talk. And, uh, we've had, Th this, this is bomb talk. But this is bomb. I'm talk. feeling verklempt. <laughs> it was a perfect time to bring you up on stage, Shiny. <laughs> uh, uh, you've been listening to all these amazing yeah. artists on stage today. I I want to know, you, you always have such a brilliant perspective and angle on all this. You've been in this much longer and you've you talked to more people and you're just smarter than I could ever be. So I wanted to know. Not what, true. What do you think? Not what, true, but you have better yeah, hair. Um, and, uh, first off, Bobby, it was such a, it's, it was such a pleasure meeting, um, in, in the physical world the other day. I, oh, I had we such, did. I, we partied. I had such a we wonderful partied. time with you. We partied, um, which is just when Bobby and I hang out in the kitchen and, and talk about NFTs, um, while everyone else parties. Uh, but it was, it was really nice getting to know you, Facts. um, you know, and, and just, listening to you and then seeing you in person and now we're back uh, on the digital it's just it's just really fun to get to do that and i i recommend everyone go out and and see your digital friends in, in the flesh because it's really special i also wanted to say before i i do have a point to make but first um ron i i've been such a big fan for a long time and i i have a beautiful uh four foot charlie grin in my house that looks at me um and uh and and wakes me up every morning 
So what I, what I wanted to talk about was uh, to, I hope, guide all the artists that are coming into this space, that are new in this space. We were talking before I got on stage about how do you represent yourself? What do you disclose? How do you play this game in the digital world? And I, I, I really want to drive the point home that it's a different skill set to market yourself than it is to make your art. And you can't tie your meaning to your ability as an artist, to your ability to market. They're different skills. So don't feel bad about your art if your marketing actually is not going so well. That's completely fine. You're not Salvador Dali. Not everyone is a genius marketer. It's, it's totally okay. Maybe find someone who can help you market or realize, you know what? Marketing is not something I've ever practiced before. Right? I've never practiced it. So let me take at least a little bit of time. I've been an artist for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. I can spend a little bit of time trying to understand marketing and getting good at that because they are different skills. That's just a, a, a thought I wanted to leave everyone with. Thanks, Shiny. I, uh, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know if any of the artists on stage have anything to add to that or feel a certain kind of way about that. Well, I, I, you know, uh, th um, I'm, I'm pretty bad about marketing my art, but uh, I'm great at marketing other people's art because, you know, I love art and I'm passionate about art, other artists. And I feel like I can just let go and just, just say, I just adore this artist and look what they're doing. Can you see what they're doing? Why do you not see this? Look, look at this. But, you know, if you start behaving that way towards yourself, then you're, you're kind of arrogant. But it's actually endearing. And I think people love it when you really kind of open up and start talking about the artist you love. Um, yeah, I want to add on to that. I love that point, Ron. You know, even if you're not good at marketing yourself, you might be better at marketing somebody else. I think something that has proven so effective for me, especially this year in NFTs, is really, really getting into like creative community specifically and surrounding myself with people that are artists and musicians and writers and poets and whatever. Because even if there is a day where I'm just like, oh, I don't want to talk about myself. This is so uncomfortable. I just want to go sit in a quiet room and make art it's always good to sort of have a community of people that can speak for you and can advocate for you as like your own little street team and so i think that if you are still learning how the heck to market yourself because it's like like everybody's saying up here an entirely different skill set and a very different brain oftentimes than um than like an inherent artist uh for a lot of people I think if, if you can at least surround yourself with people that, that do see you and understand you and understand your work um, and sort of build out for yourself a little bit of a street team and people that can speak for you and advocate for you, uh, that sort of is, uh, I think, helpful for removing some of that burden or maybe the anxiety of having to market for yourself is just surrounding yourself with people that, um, that can do that, do that with you and for you and uh, vice versa. Yeah, to add on to that, I agree with both those things 100%. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, like, e even with my art, I'll ask for help if I'm not sure about a technique or something like that. But in terms of the marketing side, that's so foreign to how I think. I mean, I'm fortunate I have Rad Laser Falcon as my, my hype person alongside me. Um, but without that, like, you know, it's tough. But the other point I would add is, is don't be afraid to share your story. It's the the authenticity and the story that often grabs people and pulls you in. And it gives them a reason to believe in you and what you're doing. 
Um, and it's easier for some people to share that story. Um, but I think that's part of the courage of being an artist to go out on that limb and be like, yeah, I'm going to share this. And, and there's going to be people out there that it resonates with uh, all, the, all the time. I love that art seeking connection, just bringing people together. I think that's really what it's about. Uh, I'm sure many could testify to that. I wanted to thank everyone up on stage with me. Uh, Steven left a little early for brain vomits, but we are here to celebrate Ron English's collection. It's out the light cold crypto club, uh, blue, the great super gracious with his time also has a blue, the great Adam bombs. There's two of them uh, in, in our, in our, there's the ball Adam and there's the mummy Adam and they're both in our collection. Uh, blue's awesome. And I want to see more uh, NFTs from blue in the future. Blue. We got to talk about that. Uh, Sophie Sturdivant, please um, follow Sophie and support her work. I just, I, I'm just a huge fan of Sophie as a person, but her work is unlike anything else I see out there. And I look at a lot of art. Uh, and so when we asked her to contribute an uh, atom bomb to our collection, what she submitted to us <laughs> was like, everyone was just floored by this thing when it came in the door. And we were like, oh, this is one of our personal f favorites, like a staff favorite bomb, like the world's going to love it. And it's happened. He, uh, you know, she's, she like Banks is, has collected her bomb. Steven, who was just in the room, has one. I mean, her community is really thick and amazing. Um, so support Sophie and 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 more female artists. Uh, on top of artists in general, we had Jimmy from Materials in here. We had Steven from Brain Vomit. Uh, I see more artists in the room. I always try to get Sarah script up here. I don't know if Sarah, you're shy, but Sarah's also an amazing artist, making her way and getting her work recognized. A lot of her uh, calligraphy work. Um, but her NFTs have been moving. Sarah Script is right there. She just waved at us. And Jeff Nicholas is in here. I want to do a whole, whole episode just with photographers and also what Jeff is bringing with his uh, with Authentic Artists and his next project. So we'll be hearing more from Jeff Nicholas soon. Uh, Strawberries in here with Oni Force, Rad Laser Falcon throwing up the 100. I mean, this community is really coming together. And it's something that is we should be taking note of this, of what's happening by the end of 2021. This year was spent learning, diving into NFTs. Everyone's figuring it out. This last chapter of 2021, you've really been seeing the community start to congeal. A lot of it was facilitated and expedited by what we saw at NFT NYC. People come together. We're starting to have more events, parties where we're coming out of the woodworks, me and Shiny hanging out at Farouk and Seed Frace's house the other night. Um, I don't know what it is, and maybe it's these Twitter spaces, maybe it's these conversations, but we're all starting to forge friendships and building more and more relationships and more collaborations uh, between projects and artists. I, I'm very, very excited for what's to come in 2022 and beyond, knowing that we are starting to solidify some real social connections here. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Grab that Poe up at the top. I think next week I'm going to take this off. I, I don't know if I'm going to be having uh, or doing one of these uh, bomb talks because we'll be at Basel, but something might come up. So I'm going to keep you on your toes. I appreciate you. Next for week, listening. I'm going to be hosting bomb talk. You can all come to my room. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We need a shiny bomb. I can already imagine what it's going to be a shiny bomb with Ninja Turtle feet. Uh, if you follow my Twitter, you already get that show. <laughs> Someone arrest this man. So, um, man, I just, I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, 
get out there and follow Adam Bomb Squad. Okay, goodbye. Hey. Oh, no, uh, don't leave. What? I, uh, hi, Bobby. I'm Skis. I'm the community manager for Light Cult Crypto Club. Thank you for having hi, us today. Yes. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for uh, inviting me up. I pinned a giveaway. We want to give away a mint to somebody that's been in this room, uh, similar to a POP, but this is an actual mint from Ron's collection. Uh, we are mint. We're still minting. It's it's open right now at uh, lightcultcryptoclub.com. But right now we'll do a giveaway. So you see that tweet? Uh, just respond with uh, the same password, and it's pretty easy, right? It's B U L B bulb. So respond with that. Uh, follow all those. Follow all these amazing artists. I put it in that tweet because I think it is really important to keep building this community. And then I'll give it about 10, 15 minutes, and someone will be a member of the Light Cult later this Wow. Evening. Thank you so much for throwing that in there. That's massive. All right. So they're giving away a Light Cult bulb right now. Uh, it's, I'm going to just hang out for like one more second just so everyone can let that soak in and go and grab it. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that you all were still minting too. So go out and grab one. Again, this project looks unlike any other project that I've seen out there. It's beautiful work. You're, you're supporting an artist named Ron English, who is a real fixture in the, uh, in the art scene and just in the culture and community. I mean, this man has done so much. It, even if you feel like you don't know his work, just Google his name and immediately you're like, oh my God, I know exactly who this is. So uh, you're buying something that is going to last for generations. Speaking of legacy, uh, the, these NFTs are here to stay. Uh, like Cold Crypto Club. Yeah, and if you, yeah, if you didn't know that we were still minting, there's also, I think, something like 700 or 750 rares still left. So those are one of one original Ron English uh, rare uh, PFPs. In the tweet, you can also see the astronaut. I organically minted the ast the rave astronaut. I'm so excited about that one. Uh, the Matisse. There's a whole uh, there's a whole uh, the Guernica is a four piece collection. The the rares are just unbelievable. I mean, the uncommons look great. Uh, but there's still a really good chance that you can mint a rare for 0.06 right now, which is just mind-blowing. So tell your friends to tell a friend. Thank you for having me up here. I so appreciate it, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye.